This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the DeCastroverde Law Group. Our motivation is you. Honor, loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at DeCastroverde Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999, 222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. At the Verde Law Group, our motivation is you. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Fans, this is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about playoff hockey. And tonight we're talking about another disappointing result for the Golden Knights in Game Four of the Western Conference Final against the Dallas Stars. My name is Ben Goats. I'm one of your Las Vegas Review Journal Golden Knights beat reporters. On the other line is my colleague Dave Shane. Dave, are we getting a, a sense of deja vu kind of doing the same podcast over and over here? What do you think? Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. It's like, uh, what's that old butterfly effect movie? With, uh, was that Ashton Kutcher? I guess it's a little different. Yeah, so you know, I'm totally rambling. But it does. It does. Feels like a lot of the same stuff over and over in this series. Just, you know, tight games and execution at the uh, crucial times is is becoming costly for the Knights. Definitely. And we're definitely going to talk about a lot of topics that we've talked about before, because there's just a lot of recurring themes, both in this series and the Knights basically last two rounds of the postseason. But before we dive into everything, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by the DeCastro Verde Law Group. We are also presented by DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, and Favor, drinkafavor.com. Also, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com, especially Dave's game story and my sidebar on the special teams today. Uh, also, if you could, when checking out our podcast, if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, please do to this one. Because we would appreciate it, and it helps people find us. So, you know, diving into this game four that the Golden Knights 
did lose 2-1 to to the Dallas Stars to go down 3-1 in the series. We talked after Game 3 that it was kind of a coin flip game that turned out wrong for the Knights. Dave, that's what you wrote in your game story. Because it was literally anyone's game because it went into overtime, tied it to, and Alexander Radulov of the Stars just happened to make a really, really good shot to beat Robin Leonard. Uh, in many ways, to me, this game also felt like a coin flip, uh, but one the Knights are probably going to be kicking themselves even more for not winning. Uh, to recap, for those of you that uh, want it before we dive in, the Knights kind of executed the game plan that Pete DeBoer laid out for them in the days leading up to this game. They got ahead, which was a key for them heading into this game, on a second-period power play goal by Alec Martinez. Then uh, Stars forward Joe Pavelski kind of hit like a little pop fly off Nate Schmidt's stick that got over the shoulder of Robin Leonard and tied it on Dallas's seventh shot of the game. And we're talking, you know, about a little more than midway through the second period here. And then the Knights lost a streak of 22 consecutive penalty kills to Stars captain Jamie Benn, and they go down 2-1 right before the second period is over. Then the Stars kind of do what they do best. They kind of you know, play a really good defensive game and they kill the clock most of the third period. But then Pavelski takes a late penalty. Jason Dickinson takes another one on top of that after creating a shorthanded scoring chance. And it's got a five on three for a minute and 10 seconds late in the third with a chance to tie the game. They did not, however. Anton Kudobin made three saves on the five on three. The Stars won two to one. And as I said, they're now up three one. In the series, the Knights are one loss away from elimination. The Knights, of course, have gone down 3-1 just once in their history in a series. And that, of course, was the 2018 Stanley Cup final against the Washington Capitals. And in that game, they lost game five to lose the series. Before we get into more specific topics quick, let's hear from Knights coach Pete DeBoer and get his thoughts on the loss. Well, all we need is to finish. You know, I think the effort's there. I think, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're creating a lot of really good looks. I think defensively we've been really good. You know, they're, they're, their best player, Joe Pavelski, you know, takes a backhand, rolls up the shaft of our stick and over our goalie's shoulder. So, you know, we haven't gotten any of those. We've got to stick with it until we do. So that was nice, Coach Pete DeBoer, and then let's quick hear from Knights of right wing Riley Smith on the team's scoring struggles. I mean, one thing, obviously, there's a, there's a sense of urgency right now where we are in the series, but um, you have to stay positive. Um, the more you get down on yourself, um, you kind of push yourself in the, in the opposite direction. So goals are going to be scored in the hard areas. We know that. Um, we just have to start finding bucks and um, do a better job. Uh, making space for each other and, and clearing space in, in front of their net. Um, you know, it seems like the pocket is bouncing every way but in the net. And we just got to find a way to change that. One. All right. So that was Riley Smith just talking about the Knights' lack of offense lately. And, you know, this is one of those things where it's definitely been a recurring theme, but that's kind of the big story again coming out of tonight. Uh, the Knights have 10 goals. In their last seven games, they have six in their four games against Dallas in the Western Conference final Uh, to make the point really quick about these last two games being coin flips again and really this whole series. uh, The Stars also have six goals 
this entire series. So total goals in this series are even at six and six, yet Dallas is up three to one. And that, I think, kind of speaks to the fact that the last two games were kind of coin flips. The Knights ended out on the wrong side of. But there are a lot of individual forwards for the Knights that are not contributing. Uh, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau don't have a goal since game one against the Canucks, so that's a span of now 10 games. William Carlson has one goal and four points in the 11 games since the second round began. Max Pacioretty doesn't have a goal in seven games. Uh, With that one in particular, you have to wonder if whatever he hurt in training camp might still be bothering him or limiting him in some way. Uh, And just going down that list, that's four of the Knights top six right there uh you know rounding out their top six you got mark stone who does have nine points in his last 11 games he did not score tonight but he scored in game three against the stars and uh, paul stasny who has six points in those 11 games including an assist tonight and he's not necessarily a guy you expect massive offensive production from maybe a little bit more but he's also i thought was really solid on faceoffs tonight had a lot of key wins for the knights Uh, Overall, the Knights are shooting 8% in the playoffs and just 4.6% in this series against the Stars. That is down from their regular season mark of 9.1%, which was already pretty low. That ranked 21st in the NHL and 5th worst among teams that ended up returning to play for the postseason. Ironically, the Stars were 28th on that list and 2nd worst among teams returning to play. But uh, Dave, I just listed off a bunch of stats and I want to you know, jump off of all those numbers with uh, two questions for you and we'll take them separately. Uh, Just number one, how, I guess, are you dividing the blame for the Knights kind of offensive woes between, you know, the forwards and what they're not doing and the opposing goaltenders named either Markstrom, Demko and Kudobin and what they're doing? I know it's a question that we've kind of tackled on this podcast before but it but it keeps coming up so i'm going to ask you again so i'm not a goalie expert and i'm would probably get you know savagely uh raked across the coals by like anybody that knows you know anything about goaltending um so i would say this is like 60 40 in in terms of like the goaltender and where I'm trying to go with this, I guess, is that I think a lot of people just want to say, or, and especially the Knights kind of the company line from them is like, Oh, we keep running into these hot goaltenders and you know, okay, they do. And, and he's playing well, but like a lot of the blame I think here has to go to the Knights. And that's why I say, you know, 60, 40, like they're settling too much. This is like a basketball analogy, but they're basically just chucking up threes. You know, they're they're on the perimeter. And yeah, I agree that they created more chaos tonight. But like chaos doesn't always equate to chances. And I still feel like they haven't been able to move Hudobin laterally. They haven't, you know, been able to find the guy in the slot. They always seem to miss that pass and then the stars have a three on two and then they have to like back check and hurry up and get back so yeah good goaltending but i I just i don't know jump in but i feel like a lot of this is is on them and they're finishing and in some of the chances that they're just not creating yeah so to your point uh to quick go to the five on three they did not score on uh the three shots on goal they had during the five on three were from 29 31 and 52 feet away 
uh, before the kind of total power play expired. So when it was still uh, five on four, but not five on three anymore, they had a shot from uh, 31 feet away, I believe. And then right after both power plays expired, but before kind of uh, Dickinson had a chance to affect the play, they had a shot from about 48 feet away as well. So I think your point is well taken. I mean, let's just be honest here. As much as, you know, the five on three was a great opportunity for the Knights, Kudobin made that look easy. I mean, yes, he had to move laterally across his crease a little bit, but he had, you know, eyes on every puck he wanted to see tonight. And, you know, there's a couple scrambles in front of him where he had to dive on loose pucks and things like that. But I thought for, you know, a lot of it, there wasn't like, you know, a ton of highlight reel spectacular saves they had to make, especially, and we'll get into this a little bit later, compared to his counterpart where I thought, you know, Robin Leonard had to make just as many kind of super dangerous saves as Kudobin did ultimately. Now, maybe Kudobin did a have to make a couple more, but I don't think the ratio was, you know, totally out of whack there. And I would go back to just how many has he made throughout the series that have been, you know, really incredible, like, you know, anything close to say what Leonard made in game seven, you know, he hasn't had to sprawl across his crease and make a glove save or, you know, there hasn't been like a breakaway that he's, you know, stretched out, done the splits and, you know, or done some like Dominic Hoshik, you know, roll and talking two pad stack. I'm like, we, it's not that, like, we're not seeing that couple good glove saves and like you said there's a scramble and whatever but like i remember on one of them you had Braden mcnab there and he kind of goes airborne flying over the top like it wasn't like there was a lot of threat in terms of you know knights poking at it and then i guess con- contrast that with the two goals like you said that the star scored where pavelski's there and he kind of sends a knuckleball uh you know that flutters off a stick and it goes over you know, Leonard's shoulder and it fools him after, you know, pretty bad turnover from Nate Schmidt. And then Jamie Benz, you know, in the slot on the power play and puck kind of pinballs around, ends up on a stick and, you know, he finishes. And and right now it just seems like, you know, even a little bit in, in the Canucks series that, you know, when the Knights have the puck on their stick in a spot, they're, they're hitting the chest or they're just missing the net entirely. You know, tonight it was 19 missed shots. They had 19 missed shots, 17 block shots. So they had more shot attempts that didn't even get to the net, didn't even get to Hudobin, you know, than they actually tested him. So, I mean, yeah, you know, tip your hat to him and, and he's hot and he's in his own and, and he's confident and he seems like, you know, he's in the night's head a little bit right now. But at the same time, and maybe that that's part and parcel with with that with him being in their head. They're, I just don't feel like they're creating, you know, a, as good a chances as they could create. No, absolutely, and I think, you know, like you said, you still gave the majority of the credit to Kudobin, and I think he's done a really good job with things like rebound control, where he's not offering up as many second opportunities as maybe a lot of goaltenders would in these situations. But the Knights still need a lot more from the forwards and specifically the forwards, you know, I rattled off before, all of which are pretty much uh, very well compensated for their services, which involve, you know, scoring goals for this team. So, you know, the second of two questions as it relates to the Knights offense, Dave, is 
who do you think is under the most pressure to step up now Monday for game five when the Knights are going to be facing elimination for just the second time this postseason? Okay, so I mentioned I'm like in a movie mood. Have you ever seen The Professional? I have not. Okay, so it's like an old like hitman movie with Sean Reno and Gary Oldman, Oldman plays like the you know crazy cop and there's a scene. Like so, my answer is, and I'm going to do it like him is everyone. Like it's on everyone at this point. Nobody is scoring. So for me to say it's on Mark Stone and he's the potential captain and he's got to you know fight through whatever you know, potential maybe injury he's got after blocking that shot or anything like that. Like, I mean, nobody's scoring. They all have to pick up the slack. I mean, I don't think it's on Nick Cousins or Chandler Stevenson to necessarily, you know, pick up their game because they're not scoring right now. I don't think you can put it, you know, their top six, like you said, is paid to score. And I think it's on all of them right now to, to have a breakout game. And I, I guess if you're a Knights fan, maybe you're encouraged by the fact that, Colorado with a third string goalie was able to climb back in the series, get it to a game seven, you know, and at least, you know, take it to the end before, you know, Kiviranta scored to send it, you know, send the stars to this series. So I guess there's some hope, you know, maybe the door still open. There's a crack there, but at the same time, like if they're not going to score, if they don't get scoring, if they can't find a way to produce, it's just, you know, the, like we've talked about these, these games are coming down to small moments and every small moment seems to be going the stars way, whether they're creating it for themselves or just bounces. But right now, the, unless the Knights are able to shift that and get a couple goals, because I think maybe the one thing we didn't mention with Hudobin is just the confidence that he's breeding in, in his teammates and everybody in front of him that, you can see it grow. You can see their belief. And even if they're getting outshot, it, it, you know, I mean, I watched Arsenal for umpteen years, dominate possession and, and have the ball and get it to the final third, and not do anything. And then watch the team counterattack and score. And, you know, possession's all great. And we can look at stats and talk about it all day, but it's still about putting the puck in the net and having more goals at the end of the game than the other team. And right now the Knights aren't able to do that. Honor, loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at the Castleberry Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999, 222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. At the Castleberry Law Group, our motivation is you. You've counted on restaurants. Now, they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. 
Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Brian, to your point about confidence, I think that was really clear on the Pavelski goal because, you know, that point in the game, which is a little bit more than halfway through, uh, the Knights are dominating in terms of the shot clock. They're up one nothing at that point. Uh, they'd outshot the Stars 22-6 to before that goal. Then all of a sudden, he scores... The stars the rest of the period lead in shots on goal seven to two, and then including the shot that Jamie Ben scored on. So it definitely seems like you know the stars can absorb pressure by the Knights, have Kudobin keep him in it, and then once they get a break, they go. And then as we saw in the third period, until they took those two penalties, they are so so good for the most part. Uh, kind of game three aside, uh, once they get a lead just absolutely locking it down and making it so, so difficult on you to try to squeeze one past them. And that's something the Knights are obviously going to have to solve moving forward here. As you mentioned, the Stars did kind of almost blow a 3-1 lead last series. They were up 3-1 and went to a Game 7 against the Avalanche. It went to overtime in Game 7, and it took uh, Kiviranta, who literally got asked basically, who are you? in the post-game press conference because he kind of came out of nowhere to score a hat-trick in that game for the Stars. So the Stars obviously would like to avoid that fate. Uh, If you're the Knights, maybe you now pull some hope, ironically, out of the fact that you have a coach who was down 3-1 in a certain series last year and rallied to win that one in overtime. But it certainly is a tall hill for the Knights to climb now. Uh, Just a couple more topics to touch on when it comes to this game uh special teams this is the first game where it felt like the knights let the or let, the Knights special teams let them down which is ironic because they actually finished uh you know 1-1 even in that area tonight but as i mentioned earlier they saw the streak of 22 consecutive killed penalties snapped and the goal that broke that streak was the game winner from jamie ben And then they also had that five on three we previously talked about and they couldn't score and all their shots pretty much were from pretty far away. And Kudobin was able to see them get over and stop them. So obviously, Dave, uh, that's not great. But I think, you know, in the course of a multi-game series, one of these nights is bound to happen. And for the most part, like I said, the night's ended this game even on special teams. They didn't even lose the special teams battle. But in a series where it's been really even five on five for the most part, I mean, tonight uh, I mentioned expected goals as a stat that I track on natural stat trick expected goals at five on five are basically dead even. And so when special teams ends up even too, despite the fact that the Knights had one more power play than the stars tonight, these kind of games can happen. Yeah, I don't want to crush them too much for it. I mean, it's not like they, 
I saw like they gave up, you know, like three power play goals and it was completely obviously the reason they lost, you know, but again, I guess at the same time, it just comes down to the key moments in these games in, in, in this series that they're not executing and that the stars either get the break or that they're executing, you know, in return. And that's where it seems like they need to clean it up. You know, just, just one little bounce, one little opening, one little break, uh, you know, one little moment in the game. And, and, and that's the difference. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's sort of, it's one of those nights, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, it does, it, it shows up. That's the hard part. Like I'm trying to talk myself into basically like not, not crushing them for it. And then, and then be basically, like you said, I mean, Ben scores power play goal. That turns out to, to be the winner. They have a five on three. You can't convert, you know, I, I understand you can't convert on every single one of them, you know, but it, at some point here in the key moment, this is like, this is the money time, you know, this is the time of the, the season when all these players talk about this is why you do it and everything. And so when you get a chance, you want somebody, you know, to, to be able to elevate their game, to be able to lift the team, put them on their shoulders, you know, all those sorts of things and come through. And, and nobody right now is, is really, I guess, coming through in those key moments. Right. I mean, obviously, as we talked about, the top six is having a really rough series in the last two series for the most part. Um, you know, got four guys basically not producing to the level that they're kind of expected to. And even though Mark Stone, for the most part, as you mentioned it briefly, Dave, he took a uh, puck off his foot, it looked like, by blocking a Joe Pavelski shot. He left for basically the last five minutes of the second period, came back uh, relatively early on in the third period. Pete DeVore, you know, didn't have an update on Stone after the game, but uh, he certainly was hobbled, but was willing to, you know, try to tough it out for the good of his team. But certainly you noticed on that five on three power play, not that Stone, you know, needs to move around a whole lot when it's a five on three, but he certainly wasn't skating like he normally can. Um, one another topic I want to quick get to, and I teased this earlier, uh, Robin Leonard, he tried really hard to keep the Knights in this game, and he did keep the Knights in this game, and there were points when it really could have gotten away from his team. Uh, he took a puck off the net, or off the, not the net, the neck. He took a puck off his neck uh, from an Alexander Radulov shot that just looked so, so painful. You could literally see the red swelling mark on the broadcast. He also stopped the shorthanded chance by Dickinson I mentioned earlier, and I believe there's a follow-up chance right afterward as well. And then he had a great save on uh, Mira Heiskanen late in the game when the Knights were kind of pressing, pressing for a goal and the Stars broke the other way. And that save at least kept the Knights kind of slim hopes alive in the waning seconds of the third period. I mean, I think like this has kind of been the story of, you know, this series and kind of the end of last series for Leonard as well, Dave. He shows up and he makes some really, really impressive saves. And yet somehow he's wound up the loser in a lot of these goaltending battles because, you know, just one more gets by him than the other guy. Yeah, again, it's tough, like... I mean, to sit here and say like he didn't play well would be, you know, just ridiculous and unfair to him because he did play well. And yet it's like you want your goalie to just make one maybe save that he's not supposed to make, you know, maybe figure out a way to not let a 
you know, a knuckleball flutter over your, your shoulder. And, and again, it's hard to like crush them. It's hard to say like, well, that's why a lot it's not, it's not that, but right now, Robin Leonard's getting outdueled by Anton, Anton Hudobin, and he got, you know, for a stretch, outdueled by Thatcher Demko. And I, it's not a one on one thing, and it's not necessarily goaltender versus goaltender and whatever. And, and maybe it's a media thing, but, you know, when one guy is standing on his head, I guess I hate that phrase, but, you know, when one guy is making, you know, every save available, you have to match it. You just do, and and unfortunately, the guy who doesn't is the guy who gets the L. And and right now he's got three of them in this series. So, or he's got two. I'm sorry, Flurry's got one. So, uh, you know, it's tough to be too critical, and yet we kind of have to be right because you know, if we're going to talk about extension and all that sort of stuff that seems to be hovering over this with Robin Leonard and, and the potential long-term uh, future with, with the team and, and everything that that's, you know, I, you know, I don't know if it's distraction for him, whatever it might be. I'm not going to blame that, you know, but he can't keep getting outplayed by Anton Budobin, right? Like that's, that's just what it comes down to. And that's harsh. And that's, you know, probably rough to say, but that's what's going on right now. And it's not his fault. Yeah, they need more goals. He needs run support. But, you know, if he has to figure out a way to make everything look like game two, unfortunately, that's what it's taking right now. And and he let a knuckleball by and then another one got by. And right now, it, he let in two and he can only let in one or he's got to stop zero. And, and that's not fair to a goalie, but that's the reality of the situation right now when the guy on the other side is playing as well as he is. Yeah. I mean, everything's just coming down to the slimmest of margins for the Knights right now. Obviously they have lost these last two games by one goal apiece to have this go from a one, one series to a three, one series. And in a lot of ways, like you said, I don't think that's Leonard's fault. I actually think he's been, for the most part, pretty good this series. And like I said, I thought he made a lot of good stops tonight. But yeah, I think a lot of it is just the Knights are playing into the Stars' hands. The Stars are used to playing these tight white-knuckle games where they ride it out till the end and just try to kind of get one more break than the other team. And the Knights are not necessarily used to that. And I think we saw a little bit of that in the Vancouver series. But I mean, this is a team that's used to dominating possession, putting a ton of scoring chances on the board and finishing a lot of those chances. I mean, they were one of the best offensive teams in the entire NHL postseason until, you know, Thatcher Demko kind of put that all to a halt. I mean, they have completely gone from kind of top of the world to bottom in terms of offense. And I think that, as you mentioned, has probably put undue pressure on their goaltending, which is still, for the most part, going to wind up with really good playoff numbers, no matter what happens the rest of the way here. But, I mean, I think you just said it best earlier. Someone somewhere, whether it's in net, you know, at forward or even on defense, because we haven't talked about it yet. But, you know, yeah, you mentioned it briefly, but Nate Schmidt had a bad turnover. He and Braden McNabb have not had, I don't think, their best series, McNabb, had the penalty that led to Ben's ultimately game-winning goal. Um, so with all that, 
being put out there. Let's quick switch gears and wrap up here talking briefly about Game 5, which will come 5 p.m. Monday on NBC Sports Network or Fox Sports Radio if you want to listen in on the radio. I mean, the only question left here, Dave, is if you're Pete DeBoer, do you consider anything drastic or anything crazy different in regards to your forward lines, your defense pairs, anything like that to try to win what is now literally a must-win game on Monday? So I'm always a chicken bleep when it comes to this kind of stuff um, in terms of like changing, because I always think that signals kind of panic. And I think at this point you just want to continue to spread, you know, spread the message of, of like, keep doing what you're doing. I, I think anytime you, you start to change and you get that, you just, the players start to wonder, well, you know, well, geez, if the coach is like worried about this, should I be worried about it? And and I know line changes like the, the players and the coaches always downplay it as like a regular thing. But, you know, to me, you know, like if we're talking about would you would you throw in like Peyton Krebs or, you know, would you change the defense pairs or something like that? You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would go with what you feel like gives you the best chance. I mean, if you're going to change anything, I mean, maybe you go back to like Stasny centering Pacioretty and Stone and put Carlson between, you know, March so and, and Smith. Um, maybe you can tweak a little bit on the bottom six. Um, I, I don't know how much you can really kind of do there. Um, maybe you bump Cousins around with, with Wah, try to get Wah back with Tuck. Um, because I think that's a combination that seemed to, to work. So, I mean, maybe there's some things that you can do, maybe, you know, go back to some looks that you've done before, but in terms of stick it in the blender and, and totally change it up or something like that, I'm always, I'm not, I'm never in favor of that. And that's just me. That's kind of how, how I sort of look at it in my conservative nature, I guess, on this. I don't know how, how Pete DeBoer is. It'll be interesting to see if he if he really feels like they need to to shake it up or or just continue with what seems to be at least statistically working. Yeah, no, it'll definitely be fascinating to see kind of his response. Uh, I'm definitely uh, with you, which probably makes us a boring podcast, but I'm very much more of a conservative thinker when it comes to a lot of this stuff too. So when it comes to potentially throwing a guy like you know, Peyton Krebs in there because I think he's the only guy out of kind of the taxi squad guys that you could talk about that has any sort of upside that's even worth discussing because, you know, while I think certainly guys like Keegan Colasar, Gage Quinney, uh, Patrick Brown are very useful players, very good players, have NHL futures as players, even on the back end, you can talk about, you know, Nick Hague and Dylan Coughlin are two guys that I think have a lot of potential. Um, you know, none of those guys... I think are going to step in and swing a game for you in the Western conference final. Maybe Peyton Krebs can just cause he's a first round pick obviously has a lot of skill, but I would be more, you know, cautious just to say that's a real tough spot to put kind of a, you know, scrawny 19 year old kid in to say, Hey kid, go make your NHL debut. If we lose, we're out of the playoffs. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on anyone, especially a young guy like that. So you said maybe you switch up the lines a little bit. I think there's certainly more, you know, interesting ways that DeBoer could 
deploy his lines going forward here. He adjusted, obviously, today to the fact that Rick Bonus had loaded up his top line, which we talked about last podcast, by putting Ben Sagan and Radulov together. Certainly seemed that Pete DeBoer was trying to counterpunch today by then loading up his top six by reuniting Carlson, Pacioretty, and Stone, and then Smith, Stasny, and Marcia. So obviously it didn't necessarily work exactly how he would have planned it out. These stars improved to 2-0 as the quote-unquote home team that does get last change. The Knights are now the quote-unquote home team for Game 5, so we'll see whether that leads to the Stars changing up their lines as well because we saw in both Game 1 and Game 2 that they had kind of mixed up their forward lines so that they were, you know, very, I guess, deep, for lack of a better word. They had one or two pretty good guys on each line, but no true kind of, you know, full lines where there was three guys you had to worry about. One thing we won't see, I guess, based on uh, Pete DeBoer's answer is like an 11 forward seven defenseman lineup. Although I guess they basically kind of ran with like, uh, it was like a 10 forward six defenseman lineup tonight since like Reeves and Carlson basically got like six minutes or uh, not Carlson, but Reeves and Carrier both got like six minutes of ice time each. So, I mean, Pete DeBoer shortened his bench already tonight. I mean, he's, he's clearly trying to look for offense. I don't know, you know, that, that might be interesting actually to see if he does something like that, you know, maybe if Reeves goes out, if he feels like he needs four lines and, you know, just doesn't feel like he can roll them out in a close game. Or, or, or if, you know, there's something else. I don't know. I don't know. But it's just, I mean, he was so short tonight. Like, the bench is so short. Like, I don't know how much more he can do, you know? It'll be interesting. No, it definitely will. Pete DeBoer is searching for answers. The Golden Knights are definitely searching for answers. And the Dallas Stars seem to have all of them right now. They are up 3-1 in the Western Conference Final. And they are one win away from advancing to the Stanley Cup final. As we said earlier, the Knights are going to try to avoid elimination for what they hope will be the first of potentially three straight times, Monday at 5 p.m. on NBC Sports Network and Fox Sports Radio. Thanks for listening so much, everyone. Uh, As a reminder, the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by the DeCastro Verde Law Group. We are also presented by DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, and FavorDrinkAFavor.com. Also, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com and rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We are giving you guys post-game podcasts the rest of the Golden Knights run here, whether that's for just one more game or potentially if they are able to pull off a comeback uh, up to even seven more games at a minimum there if they do advance. But we will see. For now, we will sign off. I'm Ben Goats. That was Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Honor, loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father, who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at DeCastleworthy Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999, 222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. 
At the Castroverde Law Group, our motivation is you. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.